Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. This sermon is the third in our Lenten series for 2024, Why the Cross? Today we're looking at the cross as winning victory over evil, and our preacher is Reverend Linda Johnson. Our readings today are from Genesis, Colossians, and John. Firstly, a reading from Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 to 15, which can be found in your Pew Bibles on page 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the servant, Because, serpents, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And now from Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 to 15, which can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1183, 1183. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our, of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And now finishing with John chapter 12, verses 25 to 33, which can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1078. 1078. 
Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. These readings are the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm going uh, to start by taking you back a little bit. Watch this. No, it cannot be! Now shall you deal with me, O Prince, and all the powers of hell! Don't we love a good plot line? Good versus evil. Don't we love it? Right versus wrong. Baddie versus goody, and the goody wins. It's a basic and solid storyline. And it's what makes a lot of good movies good. 
It's what makes a lot of good books good. Uh, And we want to see evil dealt with and ultimately defeated. And when we see it in a movie, and, uh, you know, I mean, that, that was just a caricature, but when we see it in a movie or hear about it in life or across the world, there is that great sense of justice, isn't there? And there's joy. There's freedom. Think of how we still react internally when we are reminded again of the end of World War II that final defeat of the Nazis brought rejoicing around the world. This solid plot line of good versus evil shapes humanity because it impacts humanity so much. The reality and presence of evil in this world is known by us all, isn't it? We see it playing out today in terrible persecution, in autocracies, in unjust invasions, in terrorist activities, in horrendous situations of domestic violence and cruelty, in heartless criminal activity, as well as, facing the truth, the individual selfishness in our own hearts. The plot line of good versus evil shapes humanity. But do we realize that this basic plot line is actually the story of the Bible? Ever since evil won and sin became default for us in this world, it was God's plan to deal with evil, to deal with sin in a resolute way. Genesis 3 outlines the problem for us but also gives us a hint of what is to come and points to the end. God says to the serpent, who is, of course, Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. From the beginning... There has been good versus evil and there will be a reckoning. This facet of the atonement that we're looking at today has a theological name and that is Christus Victor. I hope that the name just gives you an understanding of what it is. Christus Victor is the theological term of this particular aspect of the doctrine of the atonement that we're looking at today. And what this means is that on the cross, Jesus achieved something that had been needed since the beginning, and that is the defeat of Satan, evil, sin, and death. Christus victor means ultimate victory. Jesus defeated Satan. He put him to shame on the cross. Jesus defeated death. No longer does death reign over the children of God because of the cross. And Jesus defeated sin on the cross. Now, while Christians do still sin, we're all in that basket, aren't we? We are no longer under the power of sin. Jesus dealt with and removed these enemies of his people. And this is something to be celebrated and remembered. 
Now, if you've brought your Connect Group Guide with you today, which I hope you have, you've been encouraged to, um, may I suggest that you take out your pen and you start writing down some notes because um, even though this is not an exposition of specifically of the Bible readings that we've had today, that we're going to be jumping to a lot of verses in the Bible uh, and so it'll be good to jot these down. They will be on the screen, however, so you, you won't necessarily have to jump through the Bible. But I want us to look at some Bible verses and uh, bring to highlight what this facet, this Christus Victor, means for us. So first of all, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been winning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. John 12, 31 and 32 says, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Colossians 2.15 Says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And Ephesians six twelve says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And from Hebrews 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Christ defeated Satan through his perfect obedience, resisting temptation and going through death without failing in either faith or obedience. Now we're in the season of Lent, a time of 40 days leading up to Easter. And the 40 days reminds us of a couple of things. The 40 years of the Hebrews wandering in the desert after that great rescue event of the Exodus, bringing them out of, uh, out of Egypt. It also reminds us of the 40 days of Jesus being in the wilderness, fasting and praying in preparation for ministry and being tempted by Satan and resisting all the way. And how did Jesus resist those temptations? Through scripture. Through scripture. By using the scriptures. He quoted scripture to speak into the very offers of temptation that Satan was delivering. But Satan didn't learn his lesson at that time. (laughs) Silly boy. The devil thought Christ would fail, but he didn't. He triumphed, showing that he is indeed the Son of God. Christ's work defeated Satan. Also, Christ's work defeated death. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57 says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want uh, to look at a basic outline of what the Gospel of John says. John begins his Gospel with reference to the Word. I hope John chapter 1 is familiar to you. He talks about the Word through whom the world was created and in whom there is life, and this Word became flesh, Jesus Jesus of Nazareth. The other Gospels take a little more time to reveal who Jesus is, not the Gospel of John. There, right from the very beginning. This is God. Jesus' work was to make God known and his signs reveal God's glory. He provides food and drink. He restores the sick. He raises the dead. And in his own words in this gospel, Jesus says he is the one who embodies and offers eternal life. He is the bread that gives life to the world, chapter 6. He is the light that shows the way to the Father. He is the shepherd who protects the sheep. He is the one in whom there is resurrection from the dead. So to believe in Jesus, to trust him, is to have the kind of life that he brings. He is shown to be the solution to the human predicament. And the Gospel of John shows us that the predicament is that human beings are in darkness. In the Gospel of John, unbelief is the epitome of sin, and in this sin and unbelief, human beings are captive, unable to free themselves And are subject to death. But the Son, Jesus, came to set them free. Jesus speaks and they live. Jesus reveals the glory of God. The love of God for the world. John 3.16. Love that will go to death to bring life to the dead and bring light to the darkness. In our reading today from John 12, Jesus talks about being a servant and then goes on to say, speaking of judgment, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And in verse 33, he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Pretty clear. The prince of this world is Satan. And Jesus knew that his death was going to deal with evil and defeat it. So now I want us to look at a basic outline of what the Apostle Paul says. In Ephesians and Colossians, Paul speaks of the forgiveness of sins. And in 1 Corinthians and Galatians, he speaks of the death of Christ for our sins. But one of the particularly striking features of how Paul presents the human dilemma is that he tends to speak not of sins in the plural, but of sin in the singular. He personifies sin as a power. He says this a lot in the letter to the Romans. People are under the power of sin. Sin has power over them. Sin dwells in them. They are enslaved to it. He says this in various chapters um, throughout Romans. And sin leads to death. 
And because of this, being captive, being enslaved, human beings need a deliverer. We need a saviour, someone who can break that power of sin, who can set us free from the law of sin and death, as Paul says in Romans 8. We read from Colossians this morning, and it was a powerful reading. But there are other things in Colossians that are equally as powerful that I want to highlight for you. And these verses show what Christ's work on the cross did. In Colossians 1, 13 and 14, Paul says this, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And in Colossians 2, he says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is such an important aspect of this multifaceted jewel, which is Jesus' work on the cross, and we need to rediscover it. I reckon that over the last hundred years, throughout the 20th century, I think there's been a growing tide of triumphalism in the Christian church. I think it started in the 20s when Pentecostalism uh, took hold and I think this growing sense of triumphalism has left a lot of people lost and disillusioned it was all about I can live the victorious life the bible calls me to be victorious I have to do it I have to triumph because Jesus has triumphed but the truth is that we are frail and broken people are we not Now, for those of us who have submitted ourselves to Jesus as Lord, for those of us who are Christians, we know we're on the winning side. But life is still a struggle, isn't it? We need to rediscover what it means that Jesus has won the victory. We need to reacquaint ourselves with Christus Victor. I mentioned earlier at the hint we get in Genesis after the debacle of the fall where God places Adam and Eve in the restrictive life outside the garden and gives Satan a warning. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is recognized as an allusion to the spiritual battle which will be in play until the end. The offspring of Eve refers ultimately to the coming of the great rescuer, the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus. And the altercations which will continuously happen, the enmity, will come down to one crushing battle where Satan's head will be crushed. And Paul refers to that when he says that the powers and authorities will be disarmed. Back in 2004, 
Mel Gibson, as notorious as he was, produced and directed a magnificent yet horrific film, The Passion of the Christ. Have you seen it? It came out of his devout Catholic faith and he was able to use his fame to get this story as visible as I believe it could be. I want to show you part of the Gethsemane scene where the fulfillment of Genesis 3 is creatively presented. The words said as Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden are brought to life as Jesus willingly goes into this other garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, to face the horror of this approaching battle.
in a sermon given in late 1939, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German pastor and martyr, preached on Christus Victor. I finish with a quote from him. In our lives, we don't speak readily of victory. It is too big a word for us. We have suffered too many defeats in our lives. Victory has been thwarted again and again by too many weak hours, too many gross sins. But isn't it true that the spirit within us yearns for this word, for the final victory over the sin and anxious fear of death in our lives? And now God's word also says nothing to us about victory. It doesn't promise us that we will be victorious over sin and death from now on, on our own. Rather, it says, with all its might, that someone has won this victory and that this person, if we have him as Lord, will also win the victory over us and for us. It is not we who are victorious, but Jesus. Christus Victor. Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.